to the Krypton Podcast, your podcast for all things related to sci-fi's Superman prequel series, Krypton. I'm Lacey, and with me as always is Michelle. Hey! Woohoo! We're here to talk about the, I mean, I feel like we're really like into the show now, the third episode of Krypton, which is entitled The Rankless Initiative. I mean, they're very subtle with the titling <laughs> thus far. Um, I don't really think we need to look for a lot of metaphor here. It is sort of what it says on the tin. But the big question of the moment, I think, as usual, is did we like it? Michelle, did you like it? I did. I feel like um, one of the things I'm really enjoying is that each episode, I feel like, gets better and better in terms of story and just, like, world building. Um, And once again, you know, it's funny. uh, I think a lot of people are here for the Superman of it all. Um, but the Superman of it all is, like, the least interesting thing about it. Not that it's not interesting, but, like, when I'm stacking up everything that goes on in these episodes, it's, like, the tertiary thing to me. I'm still, like, just super, super interested in, like, the politics and the way Kander City works and the different classes and all of that stuff. I mean, I don't know if this is how I'm supposed to be feeling, but it's a little how I am feeling because I forget sometimes about the whole disintegrating cape thing and that that is even happening. Sure. There's the, the brainiac threat is, is present and clearly very, you know, bad that I just love the graphics of his ship so much. It's so terrifying to me. Yeah. But like that feels like a, a problem that's very much about Krypton. And when I say now, I mean like in the now of the world of the show we're watching versus our future where Superman may or may not exist. I know that's sort of a a, a domino problem if, if Brainiac eats their planet, but it doesn't... I, I would even go so far as to say I'm not only not terribly interested in the Superman aspect of the show, I regularly have to remind myself that that's a thing we're doing. <laughs> I, I sound sort of blasphemous to say that out loud, but like it's really true. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't think about that part of the story at all this week. Yeah, you know what, though, I, th- I think that that's kind of a good thing, because at some point, you know, when this gets renewed, which I'm sure it will, because it has really good numbers, you know, next season is not going to be about Brainiac. And so if you spend all of, I mean, seemingly, well, not, you know, they'll eliminate that threat this season, and then next season will be something else. Um, and so I think, you know, if you if you hinge everything on that, then when it's gone, now you're sort of back to square one. Whereas mm-hmm. if you build the world itself separate from it, then when it's gone, it's just like, oh, whatever. And now the new thing takes takes its place. 
you know, and you don't feel like you're sort of resetting the whole show just to, to tell a new tale. Yeah. You know, they kind of do that, like, on the other shows, you know, the other DC shows. It's like, you know, the villain of the season, and, and everything sort of revolves around that. All of the plot revolves around that. And then, you know, we defeat the villain, and now next season we have to set up a new thing, as opposed to it just feeling like this is a world, and these things are happening within the world. Yeah. Like, I feel like this point at the end of the season, when I assume we will save Superman in the future, as as much as, as I... I like Adam, I feel like I'd be like, all right, later, go on back to the future that you know, and we'll just continue telling the story of these people and this and this society and this world that they've built together. Although I'm sure they'd find some way for Adam to jump back and forth between those places or something. But I think I think I won't miss it when it's gone, if that makes sense. Which I think is, is a good, I think you're right, I think that is a good thing, because yeah. it means that the, the crux of the show is not reliant on this one sort of question to which we kind of already know the answer. Right. Well, it's also this idea of, like, you know, if you're looking at it in terms of, like, a war, right, there's many little battles, and then there's, like, a general war. And so there's, there's you know, the story of Krypton is the war, Brainiac is the battle of right now. Mm-hmm. So, like, when that battle is done, you'll move on to something else, and and it'll it'll be fine, you know. And and it's then that's not to take away from the Brainiac story. I'm not saying that it's not good. It is. It's just that it's it's a more minor, I think, to the overall picture, which for multiple seasons of storytelling is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I do hope that they find some way and. Um, Adam briefly mentions in this episode that the Zeta beam he used to get there is not working. So I, I would be fine if Adam, if Adam ended up getting stranded there, because I do mm-hmm. enjoy him. Um, or like you said, going back and forth, I guess, would be fine too. I don't know. I'm visualizing it as like a kind of a rainbow road thing from Mario Kart. Like, <laughs> sort of like zips back and forth on this beam thing. Don't disabuse me of this. This is not how it works, Internet. I, I want to live in my fantasy. <laughs> or, well, you know, I mean, it could also be a thing where, say the show's on for five seasons, right? I'm just going to throw a number out there. Say it's on for five years, and Adam is on there the whole five years. Being that he's a time traveler, he can go right back to when he left like he never left. That's true. So it's not, you know, and he's from the future, so he's operating in the past, so when he does go back, it'll it will most likely be like nothing has ever happened. So it's not like Earth will miss him. Eh, it sort of depends if Maybe. you believe in that. What is that thing where if you like step on a butterfly? Yeah, I was gonna say. I guess it depends on how the time travel works on this show. And it like, changes everything because you change the one thing. The butterfly effect. That was, that was all I can think of was that was an extremely terrible movie with I think like Ashton Kutcher that did not get the premise of the idea across very well but that is you know yeah. that could be a spinoff how did we accidentally change the earth while saving Superman dun, dun. Um, and that's always the crux of time travel too is that you are you are inherently changing something whether you realize or not something will get changed no matter how much you try to keep everything intact, just your presence and your being there is a change. Unless it's, unless that's part, see, this is where time travel, like, messes, messes with my head, because I'm always like, unless that's part 
of like time unless that's supposed to happen like unless the time travel is supposed to happen and you just go around in so many right i think that's why i love dr who so much is that half the time it just makes a big old shrug emoji and it's like "Eh, it's the doctor (laughs) that's what happened don't get me started on potential like krypton doctor who crossovers because i could do it um, how can I actually rein myself back into the episode that happened instead of the one I'm currently crafting in my head? Um, <laughs> I thought this week was really interesting in a lot of ways. I thought some bits of it were, were quite slow and some bits of it were quite um, more exciting than others. Once again, for the second week in a row, I think that Seg was the least interesting part of the episode. Um, with one exception, I loved his conversation with um, Lida at the end when they were when he was trying to convince her, you know, not to be, you know, you know to trust him and that he right. could take care of the problem without sending soldiers in to do bad things. Like I thought their conversation was amazing, but for the most part, I thought he was just kind of there this weekend once again. It was the women who were the most interesting part of everything, particularly the Zod women. Yes. I mean, the one thing I will give Seg is he does have, he's sort of moving along in his journey in terms of like becoming, you know, a hero or, or being a better person, I guess. Um, you know, the way he goes in and I mean, he risks his life he doesn't know what Rom can do to him. He has no powers, you know, and he knows that she's possessed by this thing and, you know, that he goes in there and he, he tries to stop her on his own. And, you know, even when like, Lita's, you know, like, what's happening, and he's like, no, I have to save her, that he has that in him. You know, those are just these more callbacks to sort of, like, the House of El and what they are and what they mean and what they stand for and their inherent nature to, like, help other people. Yeah, it's, like, his default position. Right. Which I, I, so I did really enjoy that kind of stuff with him. Um, But, yeah, it was all about Lida for me this week. Mm -hmm. Like, I could have watched an entire episode that was just about her. I mean, not to be rude, but I could watch, like, the whole show just about her. (laughs) (laughs) It just, she's so fascinating to me, and I think they've done such a good job of putting her kind of in the middle of a lot of conflicting, you know, emotions and stories, but making it feel really organic. Yeah. Like, it's really, like... It, I understand how she's so torn between so many things and I don't feel like they had to sit me down and spell out, well, she feels this way about the rank list because X, Y, Z reason. And one thing that we talked about last week was, was her sort of motivation and how the show presented it. And I thought they did a much, much better job this week of showing us that her sort of moral compass and her, her desire to do the right thing in this situation to was not only the correct choice, but that it had nothing to do with Zeg. Right. What I like about how they're sort of telling her story is, you know, there's a a distinct difference between saying you're going to do something and then having to actually do it. And mm-hmm. so last week we have her challenge her commander. And, you know, that's all fine and good, but now she actually has to be the commander. And so this week we get to sort of explore how she does that. And, you know, there's... You know, that's a di- it's difficult. You know, she hasn't done this before, and now she has to find a way to sort of take this group of people who are, have been led one way and try to change them to be led the way that she wants. 
And, you know, I liked the conversation with her and Dev where he's like, you know, you have to present yourself strong to them. You can't let them see that, you know, you might be a little hesitant or unsure of yourself. Um, you know, and so she has that, that, you know, moment where she gives them kind of the speech about like, you know, no shots are fired unless I tell you and we're going to go in there and try to do this as calmly as possible. And, and, you know, for the most part, that happens, you know, until... You know, you you have that one, that one character, whose name just went right out of my head, Kolda. That's her name. Yeah, K O L hyphen D A Kolda. Um, I think they only say her name like twice because because Lyda says it when she arrests her, and then I th- I think maybe they say it one other time in the episode. I had to look it up to write my recap, so <laughs> I was like, "What's her name again?" She doesn't have a name. I'm like, "What is? I know she has a name. What is it?" Um, so what I thought was really interesting, uh, and was confirmed online by, um, the producers and stuff was the kind of social commentary that they made in this episode. Oh yeah. Um, you know, touching on police brutality and, um, you know, just that, that whole, that whole dichotomy and how it, how it mirrors our society and the things that, that we are dealing with. I mean, I think it's, I think you can kind of map it to so many things that are happening, sort of like unasked for occupation, like police brutality, like the, the whole kind of shadow element of of terrorism. I really do think that at some point soon, we're probably going to need an episode about what exactly Black Zero is, Mm -hmm. because I am, (laughs) for a reason that I'm not entirely sure why I think I think this is just because I watched a lot of TV and I'm, I'm sort of conditioned to think this way my gut response is to think that oh well obviously they are you know they are good guys who are fighting for a good cause and who, are, who want to like help the rankless and and free people from bondage and oppression or whatever <laughs> yeah I have no, I have no actual proof that that's true beyond that I want to believe it's true because sex parents did so I would like some more info on their on their organization and how they work but I think that they did do a really great job of of putting the standoff between Lyda's team and the rankless mob in a in a way that I wasn't sure how it was how it was going to go in the end although I will admit that on some level, I'm not quite sure what their plan was. Like, I don't know how going down and, like, face scanning a bunch of people is going to help them root out a terrorist organization. But <laughs> they just have really good technology. I don't I don't really know what their role is. Yeah, was. you know, it was funny. The, ent- the intel wasn't really clear. Like, do they have, like, do they know who these people are? Do they have, like, or is that why they're scanning their faces? Do they have, like, wanted, like, pictures of, like known black zero members or or supporters or something and that's who they're looking for that was like a weird thing that they didn't really explain well i didn't understand what they were going down there to do either other than like rough up the rankless to make them like hand over black zero oh maybe that's what it was especially because they're standing they're scanning people and and like watching other people who are not currently being scanned and have not yet been scanned just like leave right yeah it was a little strange like people are just running away and you're like letting them and then they were like this sector is being evicted and i was like oh so i guess they're like gonna like go in everybody's house and that was super unclear i didn't really understand exactly what they were doing um 
Yeah. I mean, it didn't really, like, matter a whole lot, but I, I didn't get exactly what the, what the, what the plan was either. Like, I was like, I don't, like, what, like, what, what is the, what is the goal here? Like, are you going to, like, search people's homes? Are you trying to look for, because, you know, Light is like, oh, I don't want you to be violent with these people, but then, like, what else are you doing? I don't, you know, are you just going to question them and hope they tell you the answer? Um, so I guess there's something to be said for acting nicely. Right. Um, (laughs) catch more bees with honey. What I think is, is interesting about Lyda is, you know, she sort of represents this, like this ideology of, you know, making things better and doing things the right way. And she has this very straight moral compass. And I think she sort of realizes how difficult that is in practice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really easy to say, Things like, well, the world would be a better place if all children just stopped being bullies. Well, yes, and that's fine. But, you know, there's a different, like, there's a different reactionary or actionary thing that you need to do in order to make that happen. So I think, um, you know, she she has, she's very well-intended, you know, and she goes down there and she's like, no, I'm going to make sure that nothing bad happens and then someone ends up dying. And I think for her, it's kind of this, like, I think she sort of really understands what her mother's been saying to her, that, you know, this is a lot more difficult than you think it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think there's a difference, too, once you, between between having a sort of theoretical understanding of how a situation should play out in your mind, or how you would, or, or how you would respond to something in ideal circumstances, like, of course I would do xyz thing because that's the right thing to do and that's what i would do but there's a difference between doing that like on paper and doing it in in real life in the sense that that once you go out into the real world to try to do this there are other real people there who act in ways that you can't necessarily predict or control so obviously like you may have the best of intentions but those people have no reason to trust your intentions they have in fact years of being subjugated to other subjugated and, and or brutalized by other, you know, members of the, why do I always, it's my horoscope. I should be able to say this. Sagittarius? Sagittarius? That they're, whatever. But, <laughs> like, Sagittarius. But how do you make it, Sagittarius? Sagittarii. Sagittarius, sure. sure. Sagittarius <laughs> core. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, once, you know, they have, they have all these experiences of, of running into other members of her group who are not her, who behaved in very different ways. So there's no, it's not a perfect white, clean simulation and, and real life is always messier. Yeah. And I think the thing that she has sort of going for her is, and why I think she, she will probably be at least 70% effective and is, she is very, she stands very strongly in whatever it is that she believes. You know, when, when she's on like the, whatever, phone, camcorder, recorder with her mother and her mother's saying to her, like, you're disobeying a direct order. She still ignores it. And she still waits for Seg to do his thing and doesn't go in there with her team. Like she still holds her ground in that. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, she at least, you know, unlike somebody else who who might not have that strength or that ability to sort of stand their ground, she has that. And so that's what will make her a good leader. 
Yeah, I think she's already a pretty good theater. Like, certainly better than than some of the other folks that we have seen. Right. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about her, that scene with her and her mother. I just love them. I love their relationship. I love how prickly it is all the time. They're so interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I think one of the things that I find really interesting, particularly about this episode, is, you know, not just you know, the, the social commentary or the, you know, the police brutality, but just sort of the commentary on the lower class as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even, even in the minute part of, you know, Rom, you know, why this happens to her, why she ends up being the one that the parasite attaches to is because she's a single mother trying to survive and because she has been left at the bottom of the barrel with no other option, she ends up taking this very dangerous job just to feed her daughter. Where, you know, doing something that, you know, she probably shouldn't be doing. But she has no choice, and so she does it. And that's what puts her, you know, in, down this path of, of being infected and, and going through this whole thing. You know, and it's, it's this idea of, you know, the, the left-behind group these people that are treated like they're not even really people and just how they're dismissed or how they're separated from the rest of society. And I think that that, that kind of speaks to, you know, if you're looking at black zero and you're thinking of them as a terrorist organization, it it's sort of showing you how people get radicalized mm -hmm. and how people end up doing these things because you feel so backed into this corner and so far separated from you know, the gilded or the, the upper, upper classes and that you're being so, um, you know, tortured and, and just taken for granted that you end up doing these things. And it's sort of an understanding of how people can get there. Yeah. Desperation is a hard taskmaster, especially because see, this is, this is like, I should just make this like a weekly thing where Lacey goes on for 10 minutes about how I need to understand how the structure of the society is put together. <laughs> Because, here's my question about the rankless this week. So, okay, they're rankless, meaning they're not in any guild, and they're not obviously from a, a you know, sort of, an, I'm making air quotes, no one can see this, an elite family. How, I mean, we, we know Seg became rankless because he was stripped of his rank. I'm assuming that, that this is, is this a hereditary thing? Like, if you are born into a rankless family, you are rankless forever? Is there a way to move out of that sort of, I mean, I hesitate to use the word like caste system, but that's kind of well, that's, what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. And uh, like, is there, is there, is there upward mobility? Like, or are you just basically, you know, living in a hovel until you die? And how did this all, how did this separation, how did it come, come to pass? I mean, my, my initial gut reaction to that is, from what we've seen, it looks as though, yeah, once you are there, you are kind of stuck there. And it, and it is very much the way poverty works in our country. It is very hard to remove yourself from that situation. And there are, you know, the few who are able to do it. But that number is very small. And it's a cycle. And these people get, you know, people get stuck in the cycle that their family is in um and you know you always you you can 
you find people that are able to elevate themselves, but the, you know, the numbers on that are very small. And so I think in this situation, you know, it's, it's sort of reflective of our society in a way. So I would say that, you know, when Seg does something, that's why he gets offered, you know, the chance to be ranked again. Now, obviously, Darren Vex has other things at, at mind and in, in work and why he does that. But I would, I would venture to guess that if there was someone else who did something similar, they might be afforded a similar, you know, advance in whatever it is that they do. It makes me, it makes me wonder how much of him being an L in the first place may or may not have influenced that. Right. Although I guess, I guess it's not like his parents weren't, weren't rankless as well. And they certainly didn't move back up. Right. But I feel like, so his father at least works for the Gilded. So it seems like he at least has a nicer job as a rankless member than, say, like, the guy who's hawking, you know, stuff from the Outlands. So I think that even within the rankless, there's probably some sort of, like, exceptions. Or a hierarchy between all of them. Like, you used to be ranked, so we're going to, you know, throw you a bone and at least let you work here. As opposed and to yeah. stuff on the frozen tundra, right? Right. But this this is the stuff that like fascinates me. Like we've been talking about this for like twenty minutes. Like this is the stuff about this show that's really interesting to me. And like you said, like with Black Zero, I have I tend to lean the same way you do too in the thought process that it's a you know it's the resistance. Um, but who knows? I mean, they could be a terrorist organization. I I hope to find out more. I kind of like that they're at least not telling us right away, even though I want to sort of know right away. Yeah. Which I realize is is kind of crazy. But it occurred, I mean, watching this episode, it it did occur to me that I'm like, wow, I'm just automatically assuming that these are, that these are the people I should be rooting for. And I actually have no super clear reason to do that other than they're connected to sex parents. And therefore that makes me want to hope they're not bad people. Well, and we don't even know if they are. I mean, I think that was just kind of like a... I think they just do that because they know she stole the... Whatever that thing is called. The little car that they fly in. That I guess apparently um, Seg still has because he surely goes back and forth to that fortress like it's a, it's in the backyard. <laughs> um, like you still have the skimmer. I think he calls I it mean, the skimmer. It's so it's so true. <laughs> like he literally what? runs back and forth to it when in the first episode she made it seem like it was very difficult to get to. <laughs> like, I mean, where is he parking it? I have many questions. I mean, you know what? Listen, this is one of those like TV things that you're just supposed to hand wave and it's fine. But it's just funny to me because they made like a thing about getting there in the first episode, and now it just seems like him and Adam run back and forth to it like it's in the basement. Like, I gotta go, I gotta go see Grandpa in the basement. Like, it's, or like, even in the second episode, like, Adam asks him for a ride back to, back to town or whatever. So, it like, it's clearly not right there, but yet they go back and forth from it very seamlessly. No one notices, and it's like, it's just funny. No, it's, and, and there's no, like, time like the like the time factor is not an issue yeah like however long it takes to get there and back yeah i think it's about i think i think it's supposed to be one of those hand wavy things just be like whatever (laughs) yeah 
But still, sometimes I'm just like, really? But while we're talking about Grandpa and his, his eminent wisdom, we're, the part I could not help, I just laughed at this for a good couple of minutes was the part where he's like, it comes in a casing. And he's like, you mean a shell? And he's like, yes. <laughs> that whole interaction was really funny. And then I loved when the funniest thing to me was when he talks about, you know, how the parasite's going to come out and blah, 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 blah. And Adam, like, walks behind him and he's like, you realize I'm a hologram, right? <laughs> like, like, you can't hide behind him. <laughs> like, but, like, back to the, I keep calling it a parasite. I guess that's technically the the term for it. But I also... The sentry. The thing. The, the thing. The parasite sentry bug thing. I kind of am, like... I have to admit that after the sort of dramatic ending of last week's episode where they're like, this means Brainiac's already here. I thought it was going to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, exciting than this box that sits around and then turns into a USB port. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was just, I was a little like underwhelmed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by the sentry. Although I will say the sort of effect when, when Rom was kind of possessed by it and the, and her eyes were doing that. Um, I don't even know what to call that. Doing that thing where it looked like a lot of information was passing through them very quickly. Oh yeah, that was really cool. I, I thought that looked amazing. But I also, again, this this does not seem to be a good plan to me in the sense that Brainiac's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jettison this this box to planet that I'm curious about, and I'm gonna hope someone not only finds the box, but they open it, allow whatever is inside it to like invade their brain, and will lead them to a computer mainframe where they then plug themselves into it. This just I, this just does not seem like a great plan. Is all I'm saying. Seems a little convoluted. A little not a great plan. I feel like there had to be, like, an easier way, like, a drone. I was going to say, like, he couldn't just send, like, a drone out. <laughs> like an iPhone camera. I don't I don't know. It, it seemed a little unnecessarily reliant on sheer luck. I sort of got the feeling, and I might be wrong about this, that there are multiple ones, though. Which, that like would make more sense to me than just one. Like, hoping that someone would pick it up. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, when they showed, like, a shot of the ship and there was there looked like there was lots of things, like, floating around. And so, I don't know why, but in my mind, I just felt like he must have sent lots of them to this planet. Because in my head, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a planet, right? And we're only in one city on the planet. Oh, I guess that's a good point, actually. Right? So, like, he's probably sent multiple all over the planet. I might be wrong, but that was just like, cause I keep like reminding myself that like Kandor is a city, like it's New York city compared to the world. That's a good, that's a good, I, that, I think that's a good way to look at it. That's made me feel a little bit better. I was just still a little like, I don't, this, this century, I think you could do some upgrades on it, but that at least makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, so like maybe this just just the Candor City one, you know, and he sent like a bunch out all over the all over the planet trying to figure out, you know, is the whole planet worthwhile? Um, yeah, 
Now, I know in some form of Superman lore that I'm not a comic book person, so I don't know which comic book it comes from, but I know that this is a thing, that Brainiac defeats Kandor and has it, like, in a bottle, like, with little people, like, in the bottle. Oh, that makes sense, because I think in that, every time you, that, that, in the first episode, that shot of the ship, all the little things hanging around in his ship, I think those were supposed to, I assumed anyway, that they were little mini planet. Yeah, like, all the things that he's collected, yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued to see if, like, that's a thing that happens, like, this season. Like, maybe they fail, and maybe he takes Candor City. And then we're in some other city next season. I mean, that does at least leave more options than him taking the whole planet. Right. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I thought all the little all the little jars were, were his little... I, I took Collector of Worlds very literally, clearly. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think you were supposed to. I think that's what those... I think that's what those are. Because one of them, they, they like, close close up to one of them and it looked like something was moving in it. It looked like a little city or something inside one of them. I really can't wait for us to see some more of like Brainiac properly because I think the effects they use on him are so cool looking. Yeah. Um, and that also, I went down this other, um, this other rabbit hole of, so when Adam goes to look for the sentry, um, when he goes to the, the guy who sells like the scrap stuff, um, and the guy's showing him a bunch of different stuff, he shows him something and he says, oh, this is a Daxamite blade. And so I was like, my little, Ooh. my little brain went, wait a minute, isn't Daxam a different planet? Yeah, it's where, um, mon is from. On right, Supergirl. on Supergirl. So then I asked my friend Russ, cause I was like, cause he's my comic book go-to and I'm like, please explain. So <laughs> what he said to me is that in different iterations depending like for Supergirl for example the way they explained the Daxamites on Supergirl is that they used to be Kryptonians and they left and then they formed their own planet like they went to like another planet and in other iterations they are just a separate planet so what he said to me is he was like I would assume from that that they are going with the Supergirl version of events where Daxam is maybe, like, we're in Kandor City, so maybe Daxam is another city on Krypton, and so, like, those are Daxamites, and these would be Kandorians. Oh, and I was like, I oh, okay. So I had to share that, because I was like, if you watch Supergirl also, you would probably be like, wait, I thought Daxam was another planet, and if they don't think there are other planets, then how do they have Daxamite things? But... If the Daxamites have not left Krypton yet, then that would make sense. I like that idea. That also helped out my, like, there being multiple centuries on the planet thing. Like, I was like, oh, maybe there's one in Daxam and maybe there's one in whatever other many cities or things there are on Krypton. I really do like the idea of the multiple century thing. That's that's making me feel a lot better. <laughs> that, then Brainiac's <laughs> whole plan wasn't hinged on this one tiny shell casing. <laughs> I mean, there are some things I can hand wave and some things that are, that are harder. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. Where you're like, that seems like you're supposed to be the, the smartest like entity in the, in the universe. And you sent out like an Easter egg. <laughs> I know it wasn't even that big. Uh. <laughs> um, let's see. What else did I want to talk about? I also really liked, um, I thought this episode did a good job with, with Kem and with 
I can't decide if I want to say her name is Rome or Rom. I'm going to go with Rom. I think it's Rom, yeah. And I, I like that the show is really making me, like, think about the way that I pronounce things. Because I sort of learned how to pronounce a lot of things phonetically. So I sort of try to pronounce them as they look on the page. And I'm like, that's probably not right. But I like that they were trying to give us a, a look at what regular... I say regular people, and I don't think that's even the word that I want, but, like, what an average rankless person's kind of life is like. Yeah. Like, they're just, re- like, they're real regular people who, and I was trying to figure out if they were just friends. I went through this whole sort of rabbit hole of searching this <laughs> before we started recording about whether they were just friends or whether they were related. And let me tell you, the wiki was of no help. The <laughs> other places were of no help. So I have no idea. Um, I'm going to go with friends. And somebody tell me if that's not true. But I like that they were friends. I like that, number one, Kim has a friend who isn't SAG. Like, right. I like that, that everyone's lives are bigger than the pieces of them we see on the show. I think that's another really great way to make sure that the world feels like a world. Right. Again, it gives you it gives the characters depth you know you're not just one thing you're not just a one note character you know like all we knew about Kem up until this point was that he's Seg's friend and he runs a bar like that's really it you know you didn't really and you know he him and Seg used to run scams together like so you're kind of like oh is he like a shady guy or is he like a good guy and and you got that sort of glimpse of him he's a good person you know and it and it seems like what makes me lean in your theory about Black Zero being, like, the resistance is the fact that from what we've seen so far, it seems like the Rankless all try to help each other. Yeah. And so if they're all seemingly pretty good people, you know, they wouldn't cover up, I think, bad people. I think that's it. I think that's an important way to look at it, too. Unless they just felt so hopeless that they thought their only path to change would be to basically, like, burn it down. Right. But I don't get... But I also don't get that kind of vibe from the, I don't get that vibe from the characters either. Or maybe I just really want them to be good guys, which is apparently <laughs> also part of it. I want to think the best of everyone. <laughs> uh, I just don't want to accidentally end up rooting for terrible people. Although that is a perfect segue into my next comment, which my other favorite character who I think may well be a terrible person was not in this episode nearly enough for me. And that is Nyssa. Um, I was actually just going to say that too. <laughs> like, where was, uh, like, this was a very House of X, like, light episode, and I did not like that. Mostly because I love, I just love them, and I want them all the time. Oh, you know, it was funny. Last week we were talking about Nissa having sisters, and this week during the show, Wallace Day was live tweeting, you know, she all the ca- whole cast was live tweeting, and... I forget who she was having a conversation with. I think she was talking to, if my memory serves me correctly, she was responding to a tweet from Anna Bono, who plays Jaina. Um, something about, like, coming to dinner, who would be at the dinner table. And her response was, my four older sisters. So I was like, okay, that's confirmation that that is a that's thing. Good. That's canon <laughs> enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> Although I really actually like, I really like that because of course she would be the youngest one. That explains so many things. Like that explains so much about the way she behaves and it explains so much about her relationship with her father because she's the baby. Yeah. Also, I'm really, I had this moment during the episode during like their one scene scheming and I was like, 
I don't know where this thought came from because it's, it's not anything that, that necessarily happened during the scene. And I was like, she's definitely going to betray him at some point. Oh, yeah. You know what? I definitely I got that feeling, too. And it wasn't anything in particular that she did or said. But for some reason, I left this, like, whereas last week I was, like, not sure. I left this episode very much feeling like at some point she's going to be, like, on Seg's side of things. Yeah, me too. And, and I, I and I couldn't tell you why. Her father down some path, and and it's not going to be true. And she's going to play him for her own ends. And I, I have to assume that at some point Seg will be her own end. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like exactly what it was, and it wasn't even like I can't remember. I don't I don't know what it was. It wasn't even necess- like I said, not not even something she said or did or just. For whatever reason, maybe just her performance or how she was, you know, like, exuding her character. Like, I just had that feeling, like, she's not 100% on her dad. Like, dad's side. Yeah, I wrote down a note, apparently. It says, had a, had a momentary flash of Nissa just betraying her father for power or for sex to the voice of Rao at some point. I guess it, was, it must have been during that scene where the voice of Rao was basically sort of implying that, uh, that the vexes were were going to be in trouble for everything that had happened which again i need a flowchart for how exactly they're <laughs> so attached to this particular theocratic entity oh there was another thing that i thought about this episode that now i can't remember if we had this conversation i listen to way too many podcasts so <laughs> i apologize if i am not crediting whomever actually i got this from um, I can't remember if we had this conversation on this podcast before or not, but talking about who Rao is and him being, or the voice of Rao and him being a possible um, future Brainiac. Uh, we talked a little bit about him being probably someone we know. Someone definitely sent us a tweet and an email this week. That was one of their, let me open up the email here. We got. Oh, is that what I'm talking about? My yeah, brain, really my brain is email. like. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm like, it's the email that got sent to us. Sure. Yeah. This, 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 and I think it was a tweet too. It's from Both Eyes Missing on Twitter. Thank you for tweeting and emailing at us because you have some amazing thoughts that I think we should definitely discuss right now. I know I'm jumping ahead to the feedback section, but that was one of the sort of speculative things that was brought up here. And I'll, it's the second one, but we'll come back to the first one. Um, the prediction that the many, the many faced voice of Rao is actually a young Brainiac, and the Brainiac that came from Adam Strange's future is the older one, and that's why the ship hasn't eaten Krypton yet because he can't eat it while his younger self is there. Oh, okay. I mean, that's very paradoxy, but I don't hate it. Well, and so you know what's funny about that is, okay, so I did read that, and then I did hear this on another podcast. Somebody said that the voice sounds the same. And so I was trying to listen to it this week, and I can't decide if I think that's true or not. I don't know. I don't think I have a good enough ear to even even take a crack at that, but I like it as an idea. Yeah. Because I like it as an idea, I too. Talk to, I know we talked about this last week because I think there's just no reason to not, just so obviously not show or tell us who this is unless it's someone we either know or whose name we would recognize. I think just some, I just don't, I just, I have a hard time believing it's just a random person right. under there. So I just went to IMDb because I was like, oh, sometimes IMDb can spoil these things for us. So I can confirm that the actor who plays Brainiac, 
and the actor who plays the voice of Rao are two different people. That's not to say that the theory does not still hold weight, but in terms of the voice, it's probably not the same voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. Again, doesn't necessarily mean that that's not true. Just, I don't know if the voice, if the voice thing is correct. I I like the, I just really am, am stuck on the idea that it has to be someone that would matter. I don't know if I think that, I think it being Brainiac might be a little too, to borrow a Doctor Who phrase, timey-wimey for this show. Like, that's a lot of paradoxes. Yeah. But then again, I feel, I don't, I don't have a better, I don't have a better idea. So it could be. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, as far as the characters that we've seen so far, the voice of Rao being um, a, you know, a future or, or a younger version of Brainiac makes sense to me. The most sense to me out of, out of trying to select someone that we've met so far. And that sort of falls into your, your idea that Brainiac is one of those other gods. Yeah. I forgot I had that idea. That was a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I I feel like that kind of, like when you end up with titles like collector of world or whatever, like that usually tends to go with people thinking you're a god. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. not like Bob's my neighbor and also the collector of worlds. (laughs) And, And I know there is some version of Brainiac that is from Krypton in one of the many iterations. So that's not a crazy, that's not a crazy thought process. What are some of the other theories? Um, I did, I did see someone say, someone somewhere, I don't remember where I saw this, was suggesting that it could be like Seg's father, but I'm like, that's a little days were lives for me. Oh yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. I meant in our email. What were the other ones? Oh, other, <laughs> other predictions and speculation. The first one was like, who do we think that Seg will have his test tube baby with? Like, do we think it will be with Nyssa or with Lyda? And the question continues. I asked since we just saw Lyda's odd snap Quex's neck. So now we have to ask, is this a hereditary trait or was this just a homage to when Kal-El snapped General Zod's neck in Man of Steel? I mean, I think probably visually it probably was a sort of shout out to the movie, I'm guessing. As to who who the test tube baby is going to be with, I think... I think the answer is neither. I think that's a good answer. I think there's... Do, did we talk about this last week? I feel like I have all these things where I'm like, I don't know if we talked about this while we were recording or while we were talking before we were recording. But it, I think it was you who had the, the sort of, like, beautifully tragic idea that 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 there would be a Zod-L baby and it would just, and no one would know. Oh, yeah. That, uh... It would be so, like, poetic and tragically sad. Yeah, Drew Zod. That will become Jarrell, you know, the Druzad that we know that he mm-hmm. is actually Seg and Leida's child, but Seg never knows, making them actually brothers and him actually Superman's uncle. I think that's so, like, I think that's just a good story. But I, I think in terms of just the show itself, I think you're probably right and it will be neither. Because I feel like how this how this society is situated as we know it will fall in some way or you know as the story goes on there's going to be a shift in power and so while they may still well we know I mean I want to say we know but we don't really know if they go through with the test tube baby thing because in in later versions of of Krypton that's that's a thing 
Like in Man of Steel, Kal-El is the first natural-born child in centuries. Um, so if they go with that, then they're then they're still test tube babying it. Um, but I would tend to believe that that Seg probably does not end up marrying Nyssa, um, and that he he doesn't end up with Leda either. You know, if, if there's going to be a, a some sort of break between these two families, which obviously we know there will be at some point. Um, you know, I, I don't think he, he ends up with Lyda. I mean, you never know. <laughs> I don't either. And I think I, I, this is just shows you how much like fan fiction and stuff I read. I'm like, I think it's because she has to die. Like, that's where I'm at with that. And I think that's what causes the break. And dun, dun, dun. <gasps> maybe she dies in childbirth. And that's why they never know that the baby's actually sex. Oh my gosh. We could write this show. <laughs> uh, hashtag. I watch too many soap operas. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. It's like, it's like, how can I make this into a fan fiction? Um, I mean, I do think that, uh, I think, I think one of the interesting things about this is that, like, we can, we can kind of go round and round about this in a million different ways, and we, it's, it's one of the things about this that isn't set in any way, so it could go in any direction or in a direction that we don't even know yet with a character that doesn't exist yet. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. I just want, I just want Nissa to do something awesome. And we could a hundred percent be wrong about every single thing that we're talking about. (laughs) We just want Nissa to like take over her family's house. So just like more amazing ladies can just be running the show everywhere. And like Seg is just there. (laughs) (laughs) Seg is just hanging out. He's like, what's up? Um, yeah, I mean, we know at some point his name, you know, he'll have his name restored to him. So that's the other thing that makes me feel like maybe... He doesn't end up with Nyssa, but who knows? Um, the uh, There was one more prediction in our email, which I... It took me a couple of seconds to figure to figure this out, but or to, to figure out kind of what the prediction was, because I didn't really understand it. It's like, this is about Adam Strange. So he's an Earthling on a planet. So he's an Earthling on this planet. So he... Hold on, let me just read this as is, and I think that I'm thinking about it incorrectly, but here we go. Okay, now we have to talk about Adam Strange. He is an Earthling on a planet with a red sun, so he should develop Superman-like powers, and he might, but I'm skeptical of him because he disappears and says, do you think I ran across the ice? So my prediction here is that Adam Strange is a hard light projection and not truly on Krypton. Hmm. I think he's gotten shoved around too much to not be. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he's changed his clothes. He took off his hat. I think he physically yeah, he has, has to be there. The hat, like I think that I think he has to actually be there. Yeah, I think your idea of him getting stuck there is where we will originally end. Well, well not originally, where we will ultimately end up. That's what. That's where I think his story. And then, then they can do whatever they want because he'll just be part of the regular Krypton story. Right. But I do think they need to give me a little bit more with Adam these days. Well, and I say these days, like, it's not just, like, we're three episodes in. <laughs> there's just so much happening that it's hard to really get a good balance between everything because there's so many things that I want to see more of and questions that I have, but it's only, you know, it's only an hour show. Right. <laughs> and we only get ten episodes, so I'm hoping that we do get more of Adam or at least a little bit more explanation into, you know, his motivations and who he is and all that jazz. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I needed to talk about. I'm not sure where I think, where exactly I think we go from here. So clearly Rom has, has informed, you know, has texted back to Brainiac 
about how great this planet is and how right for conquering or whatever metrics he's using to determine whether or not he should eat it pretty much. But like, does that, does that just mean that the, that the giant skull ship is officially on its way from wherever it is? Is there, I don't know. I don't know what's next. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we sort of got the same cliffhanger this week that we got last week. Like, Brainiac's on his way. Like, <laughs> Brainiac's already here. I know. I feel like we knew that kind of from the first episode, though. Right. Um, I think it's more of the, like, we know that, but I think it's it's now, you know, the, they know. Like, the audience is like, yeah, yeah, no, no, guys, like, he's come, he's here. Um, but now, like, Seg is understanding, like, okay, no, he's here. So I wonder now if there will be more Brainiac and less world building as we go forward. Um, but I don't know. Next week's episode's called the Boy- the word of Rao. So maybe not. And the trailer was cool. There was some dude hovering over Seg and Seg seemed shocked to see him. So I'm intrigued as to who that is. Well, I just thought it was interesting that basically Seg told Lyda, Hey, guess what? We're not alone in the universe pretty much. And she's like, okay, cool. And, and there, I feel like there has to be more fallout from that because either I feel like there's two things she can believe here. And one is, Oh great. My boyfriend's crazy. (laughs) Or, Oh good. We're not alone in the universe. What I, I know what I did like about that was I felt like it spoke. It was a little moment that short of that showed us the nature of their relationship Mm -hmm. and how much they trust each other. The fact that he... She didn't even... She didn't even... She was like, okay, let's call. She just believes him. Like, she's not like, what? She's like, okay, cool. And the fact that he just tells her, he's like, uh, you know what? I was going to tell you about whatever. Like, I think that just... I feel like we have to go back to that now, though. (laughs) I mean, she did... She did just, like, sort of let it roll. Like, oh, cool. There's other life forms. So you want to bring this... This one, we got to... Because she immediately is like, oh, we have to bring this up to... You know, up to the guild, up to up to Rao, and he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, so that actually just, and now in my head, I'm like, things are happening in my head. So I'm thinking, like, I wonder now if that means like maybe her mother like always sort of believed Valel, but just kind of maintained the status quo because like she doesn't want to get thrown off a cliff into the blackness. Or I wonder if like a lot of people sort of believe this stuff. But just don't say it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, because it, it feels like it feels like something that would be natural to wonder. Especially because I, I keep coming back to the fact that I do have such advanced technology. Right. So I can't I can't see how they would not ask the question. You know what I mean? Like so much about science and, and technology and progress is about like, you know, what's next, what's out there what's beyond us what are we here for what else is like us so i feel i feel like there someone somewhere has to be having those conversations right hmm interesting i'm intrigued now <laughs> now i'm even more intrigued for the house of zod episode <laughs> i'm super pumped for the house of zod episode i just i hope it's just the zod ladies for an hour yeah i'm and totally cool get, with that we can get back to everything else next week <laughs> I think so I think yeah I mean I think we talked about everything I again I was super impressed I'm still I remain impressed with how good this show looks the sets are great the the effects is great like I never I, I never really feel like 
And I mean, I watch other stuff sometimes and I'm like, oh, that looks bad. Like, I never feel like anything looks not real on this show. It all very much looks like a real place, real stuff. Because this is a place I could go visit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really do like, as much as, as, as this does sometimes lead to kind of peaks and valleys in the storytelling, I like that this show seems so committed to telling one story over 10 episodes. Like, that story has many pieces and many moving parts, but they don't feel, the show doesn't feel like it's constrained to, in an hour, give me a self-contained something that has a beginning, middle, and an end. Right. Because because it's part of something bigger. Yeah, it's one whole story. I think that on, you know, not kind of prestige networks, that sort of commitment to a whole season idea is, is rare. And I think it's really admirable that they're just going for it. And I really hope they stick the landing. Yeah, I like that, like, and I mean, this may change as the episodes go on, but I always feel like we pick up right where we left off. Mm-hmm. Each episode is just like, it just all, they all flow directly into one another. So it's not one of those things where like you're watching The Flash and it's been a couple weeks in between episodes. And and The Flash, you know, I love The Flash, don't get me wrong, but like The Flash has like smaller stories within each episode that like you could just watch an episode and still feel like satisfied that you got something out of it without having to watch everything else. Right. Yeah, um, this this is all building to something. I wonder what this show would have been like had it been on a binging platform. You know, like if you if you could have just given me all 10 episodes and I sat down and watched them all as, as one thing. I wonder how that would have felt. I, I mean, I guess I can find out after the season. I just <laughs> kind of want to go. But, yeah. but I, it, it feels like it's kind of that. It, it does. I feel like if it was a show that was binge, like that was released on Netflix or something, that the storytelling would remain the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's it. I do think that's it. What is um, what is the title of next week's episode? Next week's episode is The Word of Rao. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, I'm very excited for that because I, in my quest to know everything about how this world is put together, the theocracy aspect of it is one of my biggest question marks also can we talk about how the little priestesses of the voice of Rao appear to be wearing like newspaper i don't know they have a very distinct look oh yeah they're little like robes are weird looking i'm hoping that next week means we get a little bit more in insight into this this whole religion aspect me too i hope so i want to know like are there words on their robe i just have any questions i feel like this week we got the like socio like economic type of structure that goes on Next week, next I want... Week, my- maybe next week will be the, the religion angle. Yeah. I hope so. Because, like, they touch on it sometimes in Supergirl in the sense of, like, they had that sort of culty guy who was obsessed with Rao, but not in a not in a really kind of here's how it would function in our, in our Kryptonian society kind of way. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. And that's episode three, y'all. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening with us as always. And we love feedback. We love questions. We love people who want to make me flow charts about how the, you know, social status of this society is set up. I think I'm kidding. I'm not. I would love that. Um, So please get in touch with us. I'm going to give you a long rundown in a second of all the places you can find us. But if you have questions or thoughts or just 
want to tell me to not talk so much, like email us at cryptonpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We clearly, if you haven't noticed, want to talk about this show as much as possible. So reach out to us. There is no comment too small or snarky or off topic, as you can probably (laughs) tell from having heard this podcast ever. Okay, so Michelle, tell everyone where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at MimiC1019. That's M-I-M-I-C-1019. Um, you can also find my writing over at TV Source Magazine, where I will be recapping Krypton as well as Riverdale, and then I randomly write about like Game of Thrones and Stranger Things and Marvel movies and whatever the mood strikes me, I will post something up and my editor will post it or not. <laughs> and... You can also listen to me if you like listening to me talk. Um, I have a podcast called Hashtag TV Geek. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G TV Geek. Um, And you can follow that on Twitter or find us on Apple Podcasts. And that we talk about all sorts of different geeky things, all of the Arrowverse shows. We talk about the Marvel movies. Um, My colleagues will talk a little bit about Krypton. And, uh, yeah, that's all the places. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Lacey, and you can find me at Lacey MB, L-A-C-Y-M-B, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Um, I write about The Flash at Telltale TV. I gush about period dramas at Televisions, and I write about Doctor Who and kind of a lot of um, teen fantasy fiction over at Culturist. Um, But mostly I spend a lot of time hollering about things on Twitter, and I'm always looking for people to geek out about things with there. So L-A-C-Y-M-B, that's me. Um, As for the podcast itself, you can visit kryptonpodcast.com for all the latest news, photos, trailers, descriptions, and more about Krypton, along with all our latest episodes of the podcast. You can follow us on social media at Krypton Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And like I said, if you have any questions, thoughts, you want to tell us, Good things we did, bad things we did, literally anything at all. We're kryptonpodcast at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to Krypton Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on iTunes, please hit us up with some five-star reviews or, you know, four-star reviews. We don't think we're worthy of five stars. It's a great way to support the podcast and let us know what you enjoy or don't know about the show. Plus, since Michelle and I took over this podcast this year, we are looking to, you know, get some more reviews and stuff that relate to us instead of our predecessors mostly because i am an incredible narcissist so (laughs) (laughs) sorry about these long credits here but wanted to let everyone know you can follow the whole dc tv podcast network which features podcasts for arrow the flash supergirl legends of tomorrow iZombie, black lightning classic dc tv shows and the upcoming titan show at dctvpodcast.com you can follow the DCTV Podcast Network on social media at DCTV Podcasts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have a mega feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, which will let you pretty much subscribe to everything at once, just in case you can't get enough of us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.